You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, guys? It is your boy, D and Ed, back at you guys again with another Locked On Wizards podcast episode. And today we have a special guest, Chase Hughes, NBC Sports Washington reporter, Wizards reporter. You see him all the time. We all know who he is. Thank you for coming on, Chase. Hey, thanks for having me again. I didn't know you guys had a brand new intro. I mean, last time I was on, that wasn't part of the deal. It looks really nice. <laughs> yeah, spice yeah. things up a little bit, just a tad. <laughs> but once again, guys, thank you all for making Locked Up Wizards your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And this episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Chase, we got a decent amount of questions for you today. It's been a lot going on in Wizards Nation. Just a lot of fan reactions, this team, the team trajectory and all that. So let's just get right into it, Ed. Yeah, so um, just want to get your thoughts on the game last night from the Pistons. What was your main takeaways, and uh, what's going on with Bradley Bill in the clutch? I mean, that that backcourt was just inexcusable. I think he said it in press conference many times. But what was your main takeaways from the game last night and Bradley Bill uh, in, in clutch time? Well, obviously, I think they got away with one. I mean, you go down 12 points to the Pistons, who have now lost 10 straight, had lost nine straight going in. Um, and then you allow a 16 to three run to end regulation to force overtime. Uh, Cade Cunningham was unstoppable at one point. Uh, Frank Jackson, uh, they had no answer for him. Uh, he was a guy who's shooting like 27% from three on the year, 39% from the field. And all of a sudden he couldn't miss. So it was a game that they won, um, but they didn't play well. And I think they were very lucky they played one of the worst teams in the NBA because obviously the margin for error it's much bigger against a team like the Pistons than it is pretty much against uh, anybody else. Uh, Bradley Beal, it is interesting because the sample size is growing for him on this season as a whole. Um, he's scoring less than he did in previous years. He's not shooting the same percentages. He's turning the ball over a lot. Um, and I, I think over time, a lot of things will kind of average out. Water will find its level. But I am surprised with some of the late game execution uh, issues he's had because not that, that we haven't seen that in the past like last year you know you look at his clutch numbers the percentages kind of dropped meanwhile Russell Westbrook as we all know uh, they went up in the clutch and you know Bradley Beal's had some issues with that in recent years but the whole idea was you get all this depth on the roster he doesn't have to do as much both offensively and defensively theoretically he should have more energy left in his legs late in games and that's important uh, for coming up clutch in, in big moments, but that just hasn't been the case so far. Uh, you saw the turnovers last night. You lost the ball one time, uh, just terrible turnover and overtime. Of course, regulation, the, the backcourt violation. It's just not stuff that you expect from a star player. And I thought the way they set up this depth, it was going to be a situation where he would be better at closing games than he was in previous years. Definitely. Yeah. It's now it's like Kuzma. It's, Kuzma and Dinwiddie are, have been – Better in the clutch, in my opinion. You see, Kuz, you know, was hyped up last night, waving goodbye and whatnot. So, uh, it, it's just, it's, yeah, it, it's just interesting with Brad. I mean, it, it's been happening since the John Wall years with, with the with the clutch things uh, going wrong with him. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody has had their their takes on the the clutch situation, and sometimes he'll fall and lose the ball and turn over. And there and there was there's been good moments as well. But I think what a lot of people are, are wanting to see from him, especially with the whole max contract thing coming up, is they want to see consistency in the clutch. You know, they want to see they're tired of seeing the turnovers, et cetera. They want to see more consistent buckets, more big plays, more correct passes, and all, all of that good stuff when it comes to the clutch and Bradley Bill. But after the game, Chase, Montrez Harrell, who his playing time wasn't uh, the usual amount. He had 18 minutes, only had four points in that game. He started the third quarter with DG with the ankle. And once DG returned, that was the last time we see Montrez Harrell. And he took to Twitter. He has before in the past when he's had rough games. And he tweeted, he says, we as people fail to realize when you point the finger, there are more pointed back at you than the one you pointing. He also said, was fun while it lasted. And the replies, it seemed like people said, Trez tweets like this sometimes, from time to time. I mean, which, what was your take on Montrez Harrell's minutes, and what do you think about those tweets? Well, the minutes, you know, he did get in foul trouble. I understand why they would want to roll with Daniel Gafford, who had three blocks in like five minutes and 42 seconds after he came back from the injury in the third quarter, and then two more in the fourth quarter. So, of course, you want to ride uh, the hot hand in that regard. He was having a big game. Um, as far as the tweets go, I definitely sat down for a while and tried to figure out the finger pointing tweet. I couldn't really <laughs> decipher it. So if you guys have a, a theory or maybe even a conspiracy theory, I'd love to hear it. The fun while it's lasted one stood out more to me because if you look at his game logs, you can just see things have really dropped off. You know, he was the only player on the Wizards to be in double figure scoring for their first 20 games. And in their last like eight, I want to say. Um, you know, he's failed to reach double figures like four or five times. Uh, you know, he's had a few games where he only scores five or six points and he just doesn't look like the same guy out there. Um, so maybe it's a matter of he doesn't feel the trust from Wes Unsell Jr. and the coaching staff. Maybe there's something going on behind the scenes between him and teammates. I don't know. That's all speculation. But what I see on the court is not the same Montrez Herald that we saw just a few weeks ago which was a guy who came off the bench and immediately changed every single game that he entered into. And it was like, wow, they're getting the Montrezl Harrell from two years ago when he was the sixth man of the year. Now it looks like they're getting the Montrezl Harrell from last year where he was kind of discontent and not happy uh, in LA with the Lakers. So they got to find a way to get the Montrezl Harrell they had for the first 20 or so games this season, because that guy was arguably their best player, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Bradley Beal is the biggest name. He's the guy with the all-star appearances, but Montrezl Harrell was the most consistent, reliable, efficient player. He was a legitimate MVP candidate for the first quarter of the season, and he just doesn't have the same energy and just uh, impact that we saw earlier in the year. So they got to figure something out, uh, out about that because I thought this guy was on his way towards getting a contract extension here. I mean, fans love the guy. Uh, he really embraced playing here. And just the reversal of, of fortune and just vibes when it comes to him has been shocking to see. Yeah. Um, I think a big part of the Wizards' hot start was in part due to him. And he was playing out of his mind. And as the team regressed, has regressed, you know, his play, like you just spoke on, has regressed as well. And maybe that's something to do with trust with Wes, like you just said. Who knows? I mean, for the team to continue to get back on track, Montrez has to continue to play well and try to play in part, maybe not fully how he was playing at the start of the season because that was at an extremely high level. 
You know, he was automatic from the free throw line. His free throw shooting is kind of, you know, trailed off a little bit. But, I mean, defensively, sometimes you see the issues with not stepping up on screens and things like that at times. So, and when Daniel Gaffer leaves the game with early foul trouble, the interior defense kind of deteriorates. So, hopefully when Montrez, the tweet, the tweet with the finger pointing, I don't know if he was thinking about talking about the fans. Maybe he was saying the fans were pointing fingers at him. I'm not sure. I can't edge. You got to. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to speculate either. I don't want to speculate. But I mean, it's almost like Rosetta Stone. You got to decipher what he's saying. You know, he did it with the Lakers. (laughs) He did it with the Clippers. He wasn't happy with Frank Vogel. Um, So, I mean, I did see some of the bench. I saw Denny wasn't happy with some guys playing defensively in the Raptors game. You could see some, you know, um, disagreements defensively and some miscommunication, and that happens. But uh, clearly, Trez is not happy. He's not happy when he's not finishing games like he was in that beginning. So the the tweets are definitely about the team, I would assume. But once again, I don't want to speculate. But it is interesting. Dinwiddie, too. I mean, we're going to ask you about Dinwiddie pretty soon. We're going to get to him, too. But I I just feel like something's definitely off in the locker room. You know, like you said earlier, Chase, you know, uh, Brad and Montrez, they used to do – um, like their dynamic duo after the game, they would be you know happy and they, they were about to you know start a podcast or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to do that podcast anymore after these. I, I missed that already. It was fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but you know we're we're, we're going to get to Dinwiddie uh, pretty soon. Um, uh, but we'll we'll get to a word from a true bill. Yes, we will. Is your ex still using your Netflix? That's what one woman found out after she downloaded Truebill, which finds and cancels subscriptions with just a tap. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped save them over $100 million. Like Matthew, who says, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my direct TV bill, saved $120 for the year on my Cyrus XM bill, and saved $840 a year on car insurance. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year truebill.com slash locked on nba hey d i might need that man someone's got my hbo subscription i i, I log in and they're, they're watching like entourage and sex in the city it's like man i didn't watch those oh yeah hey you may need the true bill chase you may need to get them out of there get the true bill man but um definitely like ed said before we had a message from our friends brad and spencer ed go ahead yeah so i'll, I'll get to there was a chris haynes interview with brad you know, talk about his oh, yes. contract, mm. um, which is kind of the elephant in the room right now. Um, what have you heard or, you know, what insight do you have on that? And, you know, what is your take on the Wizards' decision with, with Bradley Bill? Is, is it kind of like a situation where we, we just kind of have no choice but to give him that extension that he has, you know, the five-year $242 million deal? Because, you know, there's other teams. Like, we, we end up like the Kings if we – don't bring a guy like Bradley Bill's uh, caliber back. So what was your take on Bradley Bill's decision coming up and the Wizards' decision also coming up for in, in the offseason? 
Well, uh, I'm not surprised, I think, in in all in total with what he said uh, to Chris Haynes. Obviously, it was really kind of being pretty honest about the whole situation and, you know, him talking about how at some point he's got to be selfish for himself. Um, you know, that really stood out to me. But ultimately, you know, he set himself up to be in this situation where he can opt out of the contract after the season and he'll have 10 years of experience so he can get the designated player extension, which is essentially the Supermax, right? He can make make one of the biggest contracts uh, in NBA history. And the Wizards have made the, the contract extension offer, but I also get the sense that they're pretty realistic about the whole situation and understand that he has reason to wait. And much more reason than last time, you know, in 2019, we all thought he was going to wait, bet on himself with all NBA. Now all NBA doesn't matter, you know, so he, all he has to do is wait and he can make more money. Um, as they've struggled, uh, the nature of the discussion, I think, has changed a little bit. I think the timing of the interview was interesting because when they got off to that 10 and three start, you know, along the way, I, I interviewed Ted Leonsis and, and, you know, he ended up doing an interview with the Washington Post. He made some similar comments about how, uh, you know, they kind of have done all that they could do. And I, I kind of agreed. It's like, you know, they gave Bradley Beal what he said he wanted, um, all that he probably could want at this stage in his career. And that is uh, the, the franchise is his. He's the face of the franchise. They built a, a pretty good supporting cast around him. One that I think when it's clicking on all cylinders complements his skill set really well. You know, there's defensive structure around him. They've got more guys who can shoot, more guys who can create their own shot. Right now, obviously, it doesn't look like that, but there's more veteran depth. They're asking him to do less. They've got a good coach in place. You know, he has said all along that he wants to stay here. He wants to win here, um, I, and he, he can make so much more money here than he can elsewhere. I don't know why he wouldn't ultimately sign with them, um, but now as things are trending downward, obviously, you, you hope that it doesn't continue on this course because then you know, he'll, he'll have more reason to see that maybe that the grass is greener elsewhere. But I think Bradley Beal still has a lot of reason to, to re-sign with the Wizards. And, and I've been saying this for a while, you know, he's only 28 years old. Um, you know, you see the stage, uh, there's several stages in his career that, that as long as he stays healthy and continues to play well, uh, those should still be in the future. You know, he can take this money and then two years from now enter his 30s and decide he wants out. Like, I don't think he is at the stage of his career or he's the type of player um, who's, you know, uh, an all time great where it's like, all right, if he doesn't win a championship soon, it's going to like completely change his legacy. Like, I, I don't see why there would be such a rush. Like the team is clearly trending upward still, even though, you know, they they've still lost what uh, eight out of their last 13. They're trending up in the big picture. He's the guy. I don't know why he would want um, to be the number two or number three guy on another team when he has publicly said he doesn't want to do that. Like maybe down the road, he could do what Ray Allen did, you know, a guy he's been compared to for a long time and jump ship and join a super team. He really doesn't need to do that right now because it's not make or break for him. So I, I still think he's going to sign the money. He just has incentive to wait. And when it comes to the question that you asked about what, what, what should the wizards do? Um, I think they're going to have to consider their options entering the trade deadline, but Hopefully they can get some sort of assurance from him that he'll sign in the offseason. It's just a matter of waiting to get the most money. Definitely. Yeah. It's, I mean, if they don't bring Brad back, you know, they got to have a plan B because if, if he, if he signs with a different team, then, you know, we, we could be even in worse uh, basketball purgatory than what we are right now. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, I'm. I know a lot of like Wizards Twitter, etc. They're 
iffy about Brad and the contract and all that because of the, the recent performance. But I mean, just last season and the season before that, we're talking about a guy who's averaging 30 points a game, you know, and there's he's struggling, but he wasn't the only guy and only he wasn't the only superstar as well that struggled to start the season. You've seen Damian Lillard and his numbers at the beginning of the season and James Harden, people are saying he's struggling at the start of the season and right now currently. So I think Bradley Bill will be all right, especially as the season goes on as well. Then you had the whole COVID thing with the Team USA and all that. So who knows what effect that lasting effects that has had on him. But I do want to talk to you, Chase, about Bradley Bill and Spencer Dinwiddie's chemistry on the court. I mean, we've seen them play without each other. And it seemed like Spencer Dinwiddie has had a better time playing without Bradley Bill. And Bradley Bill, when Spence isn't there, has done a little better without Spencer than when they play together. It seems a little, you know, not too jailed at the moment. What's your take on that? Well, Spencer Dinwiddie, just like Montrez Harrell, you know, his trajectory has kind of followed the team's trajectory. Like he was great to begin the year and so is Harrell and the team was great. Then they dropped off and the team has dropped off. And I think, you know, parallel to how the team has played, things kind of went in the reverse of, I think, what was the logical expectation going in. Like the Wizards had all these new players, they had a new coaching staff. I think it was um, more realistic to expect them to struggle first and then hit their stride. Well, they came out of the gate playing really well and then have since stumbled. Same thing with Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, he was coming back from an ACL injury and he got off to a really hot start this season. I was really impressed with the way he came back. Um, it was a great sign for the the investment that the Wizards made in him, you know, a, a pretty big free agent contract for a guy who hadn't played a game since he had that surgery. And now he's kind of taking his lumps. Um, I think it's a reminder of the surgery that he did have and that it wasn't going to be perfectly smooth sailing right away. Um, I think he's gotten away from his game, which is attacking the rim. I think uh, everyone who watches the Wizards can see that. Um, and I also think they're they're kind of, uh, going through some growing pains of realizing that he's not really a natural point guard. Um, and they have him in a position where he's supposed to play point guard and he's following in a long line of really good point guards, right? John Wall was a terrific uh, floor general, a guy who ran the offense uh, offensively very, very well. Uh, same thing with Russell Westbrook, you know, was one of the best uh, assist guys in the league. And now you have a player who, you know, may be best off the ball or was at his best two years ago. Um, and, you know, one thing that stood out to me, uh, two things I would say that have kind of stood out to me about Spencer Dinwiddie. One is two years ago, uh, his best career season before the ACL injury um, with the Brooklyn Nets. He was at his best when he was getting to the rim. He was one of the top 10 guys in the league driving to the rim. And he's pretty efficient around the rim. He's never been an efficient shooter, but he was pretty good at finishing around the rim. He was never really a driving kick guy, though. If you look at like the assist percentage and like the pass percentage on those drives and the top drivers in the league, uh, he, he didn't pass very much. So it wasn't really his game to drive and kick. And I think that's what they're asking him to do. Um, and then, you know, also uh, the, the defense, I think it, he's at his best when he's playing defense. Um, and lately he hasn't really been playing the greatest defense. And, um, you know, Wes Huntel Jr. was really revealing to me um, uh, about a week ago. I asked him about Spencer Dinwiddie getting to the line because two years ago he averaged about seven free throws a game. Now it's like two or three. And, you know, Wes Unsell Jr. pointed out how the rules are being enforced differently this year in terms of shooting fouls. Um, but also he said he wasn't playing point guard two years ago. And it was kind of a public uh, acknowledgement that they, they're having him play 
a bit of, a bit of a different role than he played two years ago, and it's going to be an adjustment. Now, earlier this season, I think when he was playing defense, when he was getting to the rim, um, you saw how valuable he could be. You know, maybe it wasn't a perfect fit uh, next to Bradley Beal, but it was much better than it looks like right now. So just kind of like with Montrezl Harrell, they got to figure out a way to get back to that. Um, and maybe they have a guy who, who, you know, they have to have some tough conversations with because he's also kind of had some interesting comments, you know, in the press conference. I'm sure you guys saw what he said about, you know, potentially changing up the offense a little bit. Yeah. And I think one of the things that a lot of people are having issue with, a lot of fans are having issues with is, the lack of pushing the pace. Um, Wizards fans are used to, like you said, John Wall flying down the court, Russell Westbrook flying down the court, and Spencer Dinwiddie seems like he gets the ball and he's more meticulous, takes his time, and Kyle Kuzma wants to run, but nobody else is really running with him. And I think just with the attacking, the lack of attacking, I don't know if it's the knee and it's just the recovery process of the ACL, but it's, it's definitely different within the start of the season to now. I mean, it's been a regression as the team has gone as well, like you just said. Hopefully, Spencer Dinwiddie and Brad can figure it out because the Wizards are going to need them to figure it out if they want to continue to be in that fourth seed, fifth seed range. And like I said, once again, and I always keep bringing up this December schedule because it is tough with this schedule coming up. But before... We get into another question about lineup, possible lineup changes in Davies Bertans. We do have another message from our friends over at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with descendant flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it, and things could get out of hand. Your friends with Santa will tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup, hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays. You need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Taste so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. The offer is to go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 50% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We also have one final message from our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered for all the season props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, 
Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Once again, guys, I want to thank you all for making Locked On Wizards your first listen each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It, let's get into these lineup changes in Davi's birth time. Yeah, so uh, the Lavian Laser, um, I just want to get your take on his season so far. And uh, do you see Wes Unsell Jr. making any lineup changes? Also, do you think that Denny, uh, if they give Denny more playing time and clutch minutes, would that benefit the team? Well, first, when it comes to Davis Bertans, uh, I've been a guy who has kind of defended him a little bit. You may have seen on Twitter. I've just thought that, uh, you know, I, I'm realistic about how he's played, but I've also just pointed out how three-point shooting has been arguably their biggest problem this year, and it was arguably their biggest problem last year. So maybe it's just a matter of convenience that he was going to continue to get opportunities. And you know, even though last year was a down year, he still – uh, shot th- above 39% from three and had more catch and shoot threes made per game than any other player. So there's a reason to believe that he could help. Obviously, he's not been very good this year. Um, and I, I can't imagine if he continues to struggle and just have uneven performances um, that West Hill Jr. won't at least consider going to Corey Kispert because Corey Kispert has not been making the three yet either. We all know that's why he was drafted uh, 15th overall. But he does a little bit more than Davis Bertans does other than shoot, right? He's a good cutter. Uh, he's a decent rebounder. Um, you know, he, he's faster than Davis Bertans. He runs the floor pretty well. I wouldn't say he's a great defender either. Um, but I, the cutting ability, I think, stands out as something in catch and goes. He's good at those too. So there's just like a, a few other wrinkles you can add to the offense with him. Uh, he understands spacing really well. Um, so I don't know when they'll make that move, but that's that's a move that they could make. Um, as far as lineup changes, um, you know, I, Montrez Harrell at, at one point, you know, maybe you would say, well, why don't you put him in the starting lineup right now? I, I don't think that would be the thing to do. Um, you know, Denny Avdia has been, I think, their most consistent player on the bench, at least recently. And, you know, there's not going to be a defensive drop off if you put him in the lineup for like a KCP, for instance, or a Kuzma. So maybe that would be the move that you make. I don't think I'm ready to take Spencer Denwitty out of the starting lineup. I do, though, going back to Spencer Denwitty, would say that, you know, we're about two months away from the trade deadline. Um, I think two months of my math is correct. You know, in February, that'll arrive. And, you know, I was asked like a week or two ago on the radio, like what would be their biggest need in, in terms of uh, attacking the trade deadline? And, you know, obviously shooting at the time kind of came to mind. But um, I wonder if like a more natural point guard or maybe someone who could add some pace to the offense would help. You know, it, it's kind of like you you kind of miss Ish Smith right now. You know, it, he never really was that much of a change of pace last year because Ru- he was, you know, spelling Russell Westbrook, who was already uh, pushing the pace. But it'd be nice, you know, to have a, a really fast point guard off the bench who could come in and just, uh, you know, almost like, you know, bringing a relief pitcher out of the bullpen who all of a sudden is throwing 100 miles per hour, uh, you know, after your starter was throwing 92. Like someone who can kind of change the momentum of the game and infuse some energy uh into the wizards just by playing fast so maybe that's something they could look for uh because right now you mentioned the pace uh spencer denwitty struggles that's definitely a factor but um as far as lineup changes would go i i agree with a lot of fans who have said that denny denny avdia promoting him that would be the move yeah denny yeah he's he's put on the clamps and last night against the pistons 
Um, he was in there. He had a plus 14 in the plus minus box. I know some people don't really care about it, but uh, he made a good impact. He had 10 points. He hit two threes. He was getting to the basket. I thought he definitely could have got some more playing time. Um, but, you know, we'll see. And then the thing with Davies, um, some of the shots he takes, it's like he's not even looking at the basket. Some some of his shot selections are just not good right now. And uh, maybe he could get that Kemba Walker treatment where he's just put out of the rotation. But, you know, I, I we know how important he is, so we want to see him hit shots. But it, it's been rough. I mean, if they were even a league average three-point shooting team, I think they'd probably be able to justify taking him out of the rotation, at least for like a little bit, right? But you mentioned the shots that he's taking. He's just not getting the separation off screens uh, that he, he, he used to. Like, he's not doing a great job of creating his own opportunities like we saw two years ago where he was uh, lights out from three. But I think he was also just excellent at, at moving without the ball and I mean, let's be realistic. They didn't have as much offensive firepower back then. It's not like, uh, you know, a lot of guys were taking the defense's attention and he was just kind of, um, you know, getting lost in, in the defense of the scouting report. Like they knew that he could shoot. He was just still getting open and knocking him down. Right. Yeah. And just to pivot into this question, because the news broke that, DeMontis, Sabonis, Miles Turner, Karis LeVert, pretty much the Pacers are looking to rebuild it. And Wizards fans hopped on that trade machine and got to work. So, Chase, I want to ask you, Sabonis, Miles Turner, Karis LeVert, maybe Justin Holiday, is there anybody on the Pacers that you possibly are interested in coming to the Wizards? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the guy of those three that would be the best fit would be Sabonis. Um, for what the Wizards need and for what he does positionally. I mean, he'd be a very good compliment, I think, to Bradley Beal. I've always been a big fan of Karis LeVert's game. I've always been a huge fan of Miles Turner. I've written before, I've argued many times that the Wizards should trade for Miles Turner. He's only 25 years old. He might be the best shot blocker in the league, and he can also stretch the floor. But now that you have Daniel Gafford, I, I don't know if I would make that same move, considering what you have to give up. Sabonis so would probably be the guy, or... You know, they didn't mention him in the article. Or at least they didn't say he was available. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, I think, would be great for the Wizards. Um, he makes more money, um, but he's a terrific defender, and he doesn't shoot as well as he did a few years ago. But his last year in Milwaukee, he was a 50-40-90 guy. So he would come in and provide three-point shooting and on-ball defense at the point guard spot. I think he'd be terrific for them. Um, I don't know if the Wizards uh, – if this is the time to strike. Like, obviously – They've got more flexibility with their mid-level contracts. Uh, you know, their first-round picks are kind of tied up in that John Wall deal, but they've got some young players like Gafford, Rui, um, Kispert, and Denny Avdia. I think at some point they're going to have to think in those terms if they really want to level up from, like, a, a middle of the Eastern Conference team, which I think they could be this season if they can turn things around uh, to become an actual title contender. But I don't know if you push all the chips in the middle of the table to get a guy like Sabonis, who I think if you pair him with Bradley Beal, is a really good one-two punch as a duo at the top of your roster. Um, you know, but it's not exactly like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid or, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, I don't think you're winning a championship with those two as your top two players. So I almost think, like, the Wizards need to figure out a way to get back to what they were earlier this season with a sound defensive structure and just uh, a lot of depth and the, the benefits that came from that and try to aim a little bit higher. Like if you're going to, you know, say, get rid of some of these young players and some of the veteran contracts 
and just go all in for a star, I think that star should be a top 10 guy and ideally maybe even better than that. Someone who's better than Bradley Beal who comes in and it's like, you know, very obvious that you're immediately going to become a title contender. I just don't think Sabonis is that guy as good as he is. Yeah, I I agree. As far as um, Sabonis and the Wizards, the needle moving with Sabonis coming to the Wizards, how much does that move the needle when you have a conference with Giannis and Kevin Durant, Harden, Kyrie, whenever he comes back, Jason Tatum, etc. I've been a big fan of saying the Wizards, if they really want to do something and they have this depth, they got to get another star, especially if they want to get serious about making a title contender out of this squad. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. That's why the players play, coaches coach, is to win a championship, not to just be good, but not really great. I mean, and you look at the conference, I just named some of the stars. You got to have some guys, like a guy and Bradley Bill, I think, to pair with. Because I think Bradley Bill is a really good player. I see him more as a two you know, not a, not a one, not a guy who will be the number one guy on a championship team. But if you can add somebody like you just said, who's, you know, clearly better than him, that you say, oh, yeah, this guy is, he's that guy. I think that will be perfect, man. So I like what you said about Sabonis and pushing the chips. You don't know. You like him. I like him, too. But I don't know if he's that guy that you say, all right, you know, Denny or Ruli, et cetera, let's ship these guys out and bring them in. Yeah, he's a really good player too. Um, but and he's 25. He's already a two-time All-Star. He's ascending. But you know, he's a much better offensive player than defensive player. Um, I think ideally the guy that you get. And obviously, we're speaking in hypotheticals. And you and I both know it's like it, the stars have to line perfectly for them to mm. pull a trade off like this. But you know, ideally, it's someone who can help you on both ends of the floor. Um, and you know, some it, there's a certain uh, aspect of this where it's like you got to wait and see what happens in the league, right? Um, you know, I could throw names out there like Carl Anthony Towns or like Pascal Siakam. I think both of those guys would be worth, you know, trading for. Um, not that Siakam's much better than Sabonis, but I just like the way he plays and the fact that he's a good defensive player um, and what he could do as a compliment to, to Bradley Beal. But really, I think you got to wait. I think you got to hope that um, you're a little bit closer to what, what you were earlier in the season uh, than you are now. And then kind of be patient as, as time plays out and hope that you know, you can put together the type of winning formula that other players want to join, you know, maybe even if it's in free agency down the line. Um, so I think that they've created a pretty good situation for themselves. And I know that it's it's uh, tough to say that right now uh, with all the losses that they've had and how ugly of a win it was against Detroit. But I don't think they need to be striking big at the moment. Um, I think they have reason to wait and kind of um, just kind of be patient until the right guy comes along. Yeah, I, I personally like Sabonis a lot. He he probably would get us to the fourth or fifth seed. He wouldn't make us a championship contender. But I, I know Tommy would like him, too, because he went to Gonzaga, too. So he would definitely fit. <laughs> but um, so what he did to us two nights ago or three nights ago, he that was the easiest 30 points I've seen in a long time. He had an easy 30 points and 10 rebounds. He went 10 for 15 from the field. And it was so crazy that they blew it up because I wasn't paying attention to the Pacers. They were 10 and 16. I didn't know that until the article came out. Because when they played us, they looked like a legitimate playoff team because they just blew us out of the water so easily. Um, but I, I just wanted to get to um, where where have you seen the Wizards regress defensively? We just started so hot defensively. 
Um, offensively, we were okay, but just where have you seen the Wizards regress the most on the court defensively and uh, also offensively that has led to us, you know, going on this where we're five and eight in the last 13 games? Well, it's a good question because, um, you know, I think uh, their three-point defense remains good. Like if you look at uh, the makes that they're allowing, the attempts they're allowing, uh, the three-point percentage has gone up that they're allowing. Uh, but overall, their three-point defense has been pretty good. Um, I think they've gotten a little bit worse at defending around the rim. Uh, they're not as good of a defensive rebounding team as they were earlier in the year, although it's still not like a, a major weakness. Um, they've committed a lot of turnovers. I think they've allowed teams to take advantage of those uh, too much. Um, and I think it's really just been consistency. You know, we've seen them lock down and have good defensive quarters or defensive halves, but they haven't put together like a full defensive game in quite a while. Like against the Mavericks uh, recently, right? They they gave up, I think it was 69 points in the first half and then locked down and allowed 45 in the second. I think it was against, uh, you know, the Raptors. They had like one good defensive quarter. Like they're usually good for like one really good defensive quarter, but then one quarter a game, they'll give up like 37 points. So consistency has been a big problem. Um, offensively, I think the ball movement hasn't really been there. They're not getting to the line as much as they were earlier this season, and they're turning the ball over too much. You know, er, and the three-point shooting hasn't been there the entire year, but they were doing those other things early in the season. Um, yeah, I remember it was like, you know, two weeks in, uh, free throw attempts across the league were down to the lowest uh, average per game in NBA history because uh, obviously they're enforcing the rules very differently. But the Wizards were uh, averaging the most free throw attempts of any team. So it was like it, it was affecting them, but not as much as the other teams. And they're just not getting to the line as often as they were. Um, you know, guys, of course, have dropped off. Montrez Harrell, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think Harrell in particular, uh, that's been – um, a big problem. I mean, I know a lot of Wizards fans have been, and D has been complaining about uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope's offensive role recently, but like he's probably been one of their best offensive players in recent weeks, uh, you know, consistency wise. I think he's been their second leading scorer like their last three weeks. And, um, you know, that's good for him, but it's probably not good for the team that other guys have dropped off. Um, they got to find a way to generate more offense. And um, I think they've been kind of waiting for the threes to fall. Um, all year they haven't been creating enough wide open threes and then they shoot a terrible percentage on wide open threes. And I think they've also been waiting all season long for Bradley Beal to wake up and it just hasn't happened consistently. Um, so they, they've got a lot of problems offensively. I'm not really sure what you could point to is like a strength offensively at this point because they're doing a lot of things wrong. And, um, you know, I, I still think over time, like they're going to they're going to hit the stride at some point because of the career track records of a lot of their players. But the sample size is growing. I mean, we're, we're going up on like a third of the season here. And um, at some point, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Definitely. I think this West Coast road trip is definitely going to be a gut check for the team. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting how much they regressed. Uh, from the 10 and three start, but yeah, I don't know if it's too complicated or, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Brad's going to start shooting better as time goes on. That's, that's what we're hoping on. Yeah. And just um, one more question before we get just to the keys of the victory to the game. Rui Hachimura, I wanted to get him in here. Um, from your personal view, how much, how closer do you think he is to returning and how do you see him fitting in the rotation? Well, as far as how close he is to returning, um, 
that's been a moving target for a while. Like I keep getting asked that question and, you know, it was like a week ago, two weeks ago, you know, I think people DM me asking me, you know, when do you think he's going to like ramp up to three on three? And I was like, Oh, it'll probably be this week. And like, here we are three weeks later. Like uh, they are really taking their time with this thing. Uh, they call it reconditioning. Um, I understand, you know, given the personal issues, they want to take it slow and, and give him time. And we've seen some signs lately that things are moving in the right direction. You know, him just being on the bench, I think, was like a symbolic uh, thing. Um, him practicing with the go-go, him practicing with the Wizards, being around the media. These are all things that he hadn't been doing up until very, very recently. Um, he's looked really good. Like when I've seen him, all I've seen him do is do like one-on-one um, -on -one drills in the post and in the mid-range against coaches. And I've also seen him in a lot of different shooting drills with his teammates. And in particular, that's where he's really stood out to me. Like, um, yeah, I don't know how many people have had the opportunity to like get there early to an NBA game and watch these players shoot around. Um, certainly not many people have been able to watch practices as I have been fortunate enough to do. Uh, a lot of NBA players can just drain shot after shot, right? Like Jan Mahimi like can hit a bunch of threes in practice when there's no defense and no one around and no crowd or anything like a lot of these guys are unbelievable at basketball but when you see them going around the horn and he's in a drill with uh davis bertans denny abdia kyle kuzma and anthony gill and he is consistently out shooting all those guys uh that to me has been a sign like okay maybe his jumper's better now obviously it's going to be very different when the bullets are flying and he's in a game and there's defenses on him and he's got a you know with his legs tired pull up uh in transition um, but the three looks really good. He's, he's clearly working on the arc. Like I can see him when he's shooting, you know, kind of, uh, emphasizing the follow through, you know, if he'll shoot it low, the next one will kind of be, uh, almost dramatically high in terms of the, the, the arc that he's putting on it. That's always been something they're trying to adjust ever since he got in the league from Gonzaga. So he looks great shooting the ball. And that's always been a question. Um, and also, you know, one thing that, um, I've kind of realized just watching the NBA this season is there's a few guys from his draft class who have made leaps this year. Like Tyler Hero looks like he's an all-star. Keldon Johnson in San Antonio looks really good. Uh, Keldon Johnson was in the Olympics with Team USA, just like Rui was with Team Japan. Um, there's a chance that he not only comes back, but he comes back better. And I think, uh, you know, people need to stop to not sleep on that, the, the possibility that he comes back and looks like a different guy. Obviously, he's been through uh, a lot of stuff that we don't even really know the full story of over the past few months. Um, but I think there's a good chance that he comes back and is improved and can really help this team and help this team offensively and maybe even defensively too. We saw last year, the flashes that he showed, you know, maybe he could be the guy that we saw on his, in his best games last year and put it together this year. That That's highly possible. He's playing for a contract, right? When he goes back, you know, he can get an extension next summer. We'll see what happens with that. But um, Rui Hachimura, I don't know when he'll be back, but when he does come back, I think, um, long story short, I, th I think he'll have a pretty significant role. You know, they need what he does now. And Tommy Shepard going into the season said he expected him to be the starter as he has been for all the games that he's played is during his NBA career so far. You know, I don't know if he'll step in right away since he's been out so long, but I think he'll, he'll step right in with a pretty important role in the rotation, no doubt. Yeah. Um, a lot of Wizards fans have been waiting on the return of Rui Hachimura. We've been waiting on the return of Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryan as well, who's on his way back. I mean, I'm looking for that jump from Rui too. And I'm trying to temper expectations because it's been a while since he's played NBA basketball. I know he's played for Team Japan, but as far as NBA basketball, it's been a little while. 
So, and I feel like some fans are thinking Rui will come back and the offense will just make this jump. And I'm like, hey, the Wizards have a lot of problems right now, like you just spoke on. They have a lot of problems. And Rui Hachimura, I feel like, can really help. But I think, you know, you got to give him time to, you know, come back, get everything going again, get back into the flow, playing NBA basketball. And then hopefully he just fits right in there. I think he will become a starter again eventually. I think that's – I don't know. Do you feel like he'll go join back that starting lineup? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as far as right away, we'll see. It was going into training camp that Tommy Shepard uh, basically proclaimed him as the starter, but that was before his absence. It was like before all that stuff broke, just a few days before that happened. So I don't know if he'll be a starter immediately, but I definitely think he'll find his way back in the starting lineup because he's a good player. He's a consistent player. And, you know, I think uh, if you recall, you know, he happens to start games really well. You know, his problem in the last two years has been the fourth quarter. He kind of gets lost, right? He, he isn't as aggressive as he is earlier in games. He's talked about it. But he's usually the type of guy who'll give you 13, 14 points a night, and nine or 10 of those points will come in the first half. So basically what he does is exactly what the Wizards need. They've been getting off the poor starts. We all know that. Um, so I think they they definitely – it's kind of like Davis Pertans, although I think Rui Hachimura, I have more confidence in him coming back from an injury because of his track record. He tends to come back and play really well initially. Um, he Just like Pertans, though – he kind of fits a need. So I think they're going to they're going to work him in pretty significantly right away, uh, whether it's a starting lineup or not. I think there's a good chance that, you know, he's playing a primary role right off the bat. Yeah, and I'm excited. I just hope when Rui comes back, you know, he continues off where he left off from last year and that jump he made in the second year into his third year. So well, I know we're going kind of long here. So, Ed, let's get right into this last question. Yeah, it's the last one, yeah. I can't wait for Rui, so I, I just want to see him dunking Anthony Davis again. But um, last one, so what are your keys to victory to the Jazz game on Saturday night? And also before you leave, um, you can just say a one-word answer. You don't have to get into get into it too much. But who do you have winning Washington or that team in Dallas who is not America's team? <laughs> um First, Wizards-Jazz, um, I think, defending the three-point line. You know, the Wizards, uh, I believe, allow the fewest threes, or they have for a long time this year, of any team. And the Jazz make the most threes. You know, they've got a lot of guys who are killers from long range. We all know Boyan Bogdanovich, um, you know, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles. Um, you know, they're a really good defensive team, but they score a lot of points now, and they're deadly from long range. So the Wizards, uh, they're going to be put to the test in terms of their perimeter defense. Now, obviously, they have the defense to stand up to that, um, but someone's going to win, right? Someone's going to win out, and the Jazz are playing really, really well. Um, so I, I would say stop the three-point line and um, defend the rim, too. You know, Rudy, Go Rudy Gobert is in the middle. Donovan Mitchell's really good at getting to the rim. Uh, and Daniel Gafford's blocked a lot of shots this year. Um, but overall, the Wizards have, have struggled with, with paint defense and um, you know, there's been some games where Daniel Gafford will have a few blocks, but also, you know, he'll allow uh, quite a few buckets at the rim. And Montrezl Harrell obviously hasn't provi been providing enough resistance. So don't let Rudy Gobert's size uh, become a disadvantage because the Wizards are one of the smaller teams in the league. They're one of, I think, only nine teams with no one above 6'10". And, you know, Rudy Gobert is huge. So uh, don't let that work against you. Um, 
as far as Washington and, and Dallas, uh, I'll go. I'll go with Washington. I don't mean to jinx anything, but they've won four straight. Taylor Heineke's playing really well, and the defense is, has been terrific. It's exactly what we thought it would be. I wish Montez Sweat was available and didn't uh, test positive for COVID and had gotten vaccinated and all that. Um, but I, I'll, I'll ride the hot hand. I think Ron Rivera is doing a really good job. It's at home. You know, maybe there'll be a lot of Dallas fans there. Who cares? We're playing well, um, and I think they'll get the victory. Yeah, I'll take it any way we can get it, man. Any way we can get it. But yeah, Jazz. Uh, I want. I think we swept them last year. I, I can't. Remember. I know we beat them at least once. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. But for some reason, we've kind of done well against the Jazz in the past. So um, th- this could be a wake up game for us. It could. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. But Washington, um, it, it's going to be a tough game. I'm not going to get into it too much because it, it is. It is wizard. It is lots on Wizards. But. Um, if we just don't turn over the ball and Gibson keeps running, I, I think it should, it's a winnable game for sure. Got to keep the score low, man. But they, uh, yeah. you know, if it's in the 30s, they're losing. If it's oh, in yeah. the low 20s, uh, Washington's got a chance. Yeah, and uh, Mike McCarthy guaranteed a win, so I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, keep doing that. That's <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with that. And um, as an Eagles fan, I kind of need Dallas to take this one. But I'll leave it at that. So once again, guys, thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Once again, I know we went long, Chase. Thank you. We had a lot of questions. I know a lot of fans wanted to know answers to, especially from you and your insight. Anything you want to shout out? Any socials? Anything? Any shows? Uh, just you know, follow me on uh, Twitter at Chase Hughes NBCS. Um, that's it. You know, read my stuff on NBC Sports Washington, and uh, just want to say thanks for having me on again, guys. It's always a fun conversation. Yeah, one hundred percent. Thank you so much, Chase. Chase Hughes, everybody. Me and Ed once again for another Locked On with this episode. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get that podcast. It helps out a lot, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Peace. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.